0: Hi! My family and I moved back to Corvallis about eight years ago. For those of you who don't know, um, I grew up in India. Uh, When I was one, my family and I moved back, or moved to India. Um, And then about eight years ago, we moved back when I was 17. And the plan was initially to go to college, and you know, 17 is a good age, and I had all the things that I needed, but the high school was gonna accept me as a junior, and we thought it made sense to assimilate a little bit, go to high school, right? So I went to high school, I started my junior year in high school here in Corvallis, at Corvallis High School, and I noticed immediately that there there were some different values that that I didn't possess before, different values that the school possessed, different values that the culture had, that were very different. One of them, specifically, uh, was that back in India, social media it existed and people, there were some people on it, but the majority of the culture did not rely on events outside of school. So you could still talk to your friends and you know it didn't really matter and you would catch up in person. You didn't have to be watching social media to keep track of what people are doing. Well, I found out that very quickly that that was different here in the US, and that everyone had a smartphone, and, and everyone was on social media, and everyone was texting each other, and Snapchatting each other, and all kinds of things outside of school, and there was this whole other communication that was happening outside of school. There was a value in this non-face-to-face communication that wasn't there before. And I had to, to confront that, and I had to deal with that difference in value, and I had to decide and had to wrestle with it and, and figure out where I wanted to stand and whether I would change my values or stick with them. Have you ever wrestled with different values? Have you ever wrestled with someone else's values like in the moment? It can be little things, it can be big things. Maybe, maybe you can live with a, a cluttered house or a cluttered workspace, uh, but your spouse your spouse prefers to live with a completely clean, no clean, you know, clean surfaces, no items lying around, you know, or take it the other way. Maybe you're a person who likes a clean house and your spouse likes things over, over there and over here and it's fine, <laughs> right? Those are two different values and you gotta wrestle with them in that situation. Maybe you've got, uh, maybe you like to keep your your playing cards or your board game's really nice and clean and pristine and you don't like, especially with playing cards, you don't like the corners being folded or, or the cards being bent. But of course, your friend that you're playing with just really values playing the game and doesn't really care about the state of the cards or the board game and they, they shuffle them in a way that makes them bend and, and you pick them up and you're like, oh, these, are, these don't work. Those are deferring values, and you, you got to wrestle with that a little bit there too with your friend. Maybe you enjoy celebrating holidays really elaborately. You really, that's what a holiday is to you, is the celebration and the decorating and the, the theme of the holiday. I know Christmas is really big, right? And maybe you have a family member or a friend who prefers to rest on the holidays, and their value in holidays is just rest and not make it elaborate and not spend effort in that. Their value is different, and you have to wrestle with that in that moment, because you have differing values there. Now, we're going we're gonna to talk about the values of God's kingdom, and I want, want us to think about those wrestlings as we, as we talk about them. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's pray before we get into God's word. I thank you, God, for today. I thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to Learn from you, Lord, and learn from your word, Um, especially here in the Sermon on the Mount, Lord, and I I just pray that that you work in our hearts, Lord, today and and moving forward. Amen. Well, let's, uh, let's open up Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. The him and the he is Jesus, just to add context. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That was a lot. Let's start with something really, really simple. Let's start with the word blessed or blessed. What does does blessed mean, especially in this context? Uh, Blessed uh, is the Greek term for blessed, happy. Happy. What does happiness mean? Well, happiness here doesn't really... Carry the same meaning to us. Like when we hear "happy," we don't really carry the same meaning as it's intended here. Um, happiness to us is very circumstantial, and it's it's just fleeting emotion. Where um, in this world, uh, there are there are a lot of things that can make you happy or not happy. And you know, one day it's raining, and one day it's snowing, and you know, they'll make you happy or not happy depending on who you are. But it's very fleeting. The next moment, you might not be happy because something else happened. But this happiness means so much more to the Jews at that, at that time. It's, it's more deep rooted. According to a Bible scholar, Weber, God's happiness or joy is dependent on the assurance of God's blessing, sometimes present, often future, not on current circumstances, and it abides deep and undisturbable within the believer. God's happiness the happiness we're talking about here, is so much more than our surface level happiness. It's just so deep and ingrained. It is not a fleeting emotion. With that, let's dive into the Beatitudes one at a time. Jesus starts with verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? For those who need help and are spiritually lacking, Jesus blesses them. It is easier for them to accept that they need help and they recognize that they need help outside of themselves. Let's think back a little bit to last week. Um, How do you think the Pharisees might have taken it? You know, hearing that the poor in spirit are blessed by Jesus. Well, remember, the Pharisees are religious rule followers. Um, they also believe that their spirituality and their, their Hebrew following would gain them points in God's kingdom, right? And they also believed those who didn't, who lacked spirituality, would not gain points in, God, in God's kingdom. Well, Jesus says just the opposite. This also challenged us in our society today. We so often want to stand up and get up, and do our own thing, and be successful with our own strength. But it's through God that we will be fulfilled. And it is Jesus' strength that changes our hearts. For, for those people who are not lacking in the spirit, it's far harder for, for us to admit that we need God's help, and we need his spirit. Verse four. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The response to sin of those who recognize their need for God and God's salvation is, is mourning. They mourn for the sin of this world, the sin that's within them. They mourn for the lack of righteousness in themselves and the world. The people who don't just ignore the lack of righteousness, and instead, those who see it and grieve it and realize the reality of our broken world, those are the people that Jesus is blessing. The Sadducees, who were all about going with the flow, would have ignored the travesties of their day, would have ignored the fact that there is sin around them and just kept going with the flow. They they were very much about status quo and keeping going. But Jesus says the kingdom values the opposite of that ignorance of the world's brokenness. He values the recognition of it. Verse 5 Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Those who are meek are gentle. Let's think about this in terms of a person who is recognizing the brokenness of the world and grieving in it. What, are, what can be your reactions to that? Your reactions can be anger, it can be, it can be, again, you could ignore the brokenness of the world, but Jesus, and especially, we're gonna talk about anger here specifically, When you recognize the brokenness of the world, and those people who recognize the brokenness of the world, when they act in gentleness and kindness towards it, towards the people who are broken, towards themselves when they are broken, that is the value that Jesus is talking about right here, is that meekness in the instance of recognizing the brokenness of the world. Love and kindness instead of anger and aggression. Let's think about the Zealots. Like, they were the fighters. They wanted to fight for God's kingdom and they wanted Jesus to be their fighting king. And Jesus is very clearly saying, hey, the kingdom values gentleness and kindness. We so often choose sides and then tend to be mean and aggressive towards the other side. God blesses those with a spirit of gentleness even when we're being oppressed or opposed from the opposite side. Verses six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. When, When do you hunger for something? Are you, are you generally hungry when you just got on the couch after Thanksgiving and you're, you're stuffed and you just ate a really big meal? No. When are you hungry? The hours leading up to Thanksgiving maybe? You know, when you can smell the turkey in the oven and you're anticipating that meal? That's when you're hungry for it and you don't have it yet. So let's think about that. Blessed are those who, are hu- who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who see the lack of righteousness in the world and hunger for Jesus to bring it to the world, to bring his kingdom to the world. Think about the Essenes here and their reaction to this. They were, they were hoping for the long-awaited Messiah to remove them from this world and take them away. But the kingdom will bring righteousness to the world. And the value is to bring righteousness in the morn and to seek that righteousness in this world, but not to run away from it. Verses seven. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The Lord values a merciful heart. In those moments of seeing the bitterness of the world Again. The meekness kind of ties into this. There's there's a gentle heart to those broken and to yourself while you're broken too. When we talk about the world, we're talking about all of us here. But the Lord values a merciful heart because the reality is that we're broken and we need God's grace. And we need a heart that's not rigid, kind of like how the Pharisees looked at the law as a very rigid They took a rigid heart posture towards people because of the law, because of how they interpreted it rigidly. Verse eight, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall be called sons of God. The people who don't care about worldly values, those that have pure intent, but care about, and and specifically care about seeing God and knowing him personally and want a heart like Jesus. Those with pure intentions towards God These are the people that Jesus is talking about here who are blessed. This pure, pure heart towards God and his kingdom. Verses 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. As you look out at the lack of righteousness in the world, there are people in conflict, right? There's conflict in your own heart. Blessed are those who follow Jesus and become peacemakers, especially in that conflict. The people who insert themselves and insert themselves into a conflict between two parties and decide to love both parties and to bring peace to it. What happens when you insert yourself into conflict? A lot of times, you get attacked from both sides. In the next verse, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So when you do seek peace, and you do seek that righteousness, and you're attacked by both sides, Jesus says that yours is the kingdom of heaven. You are valued in the kingdom of God as you seek peace and stand up for righteousness. Jesus reiterates this in the next verses, verses 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. We will be persecuted even when we stand up for all these values of the kingdom of God. And we will be falsely persecuted because we stand for this righteousness and for God's righteousness. So the the Beatitudes in general takes a group of people who with their outward circumstances wouldn't be considered blessed in society and tells us that they are valued in the kingdom of God. Those who are poor in spirit, those who are mourning, those who are, who are meek, those who are merciful and not rigid in following the law specifically. Right, Jesus, Jesus talks about the value of that heart posture of those those characteristics that are opposite to what society values, especially in that time and today. Jesus is speaking the truth kind of like we talked about last week. He's speaking the truth of the kingdom and showing us that it's upside down from what the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, or the Essenes valued. It's upside down from what we value in our society He shows us that the kingdom has differing values from the world. Jesus is inviting us to the kingdom with this new heart posture. He invites us to be humble and loving, to be peacemakers rather than being combative, to seek righteousness rather than worldly justice, to engage with the world and mourn for its brokenness rather than ignore it, to be merciful rather than rigid, He invites us to the kingdom that is in opposition to our values in society. Do all of these these blessings as, as as we've gone through them, do they remind you of just one person? They perfectly paint a picture of our Messiah. Jesus encompasses all of the values of the kingdom of heaven. We learn these values of the kingdom of God through Jesus. We are loved and cherished by him, and he invites us to the kingdom of God. We didn't and couldn't do anything to earn the kingdom. God gives, this, gives it to us freely. To all of us, here in the church, outside of the, this church building, to every single person on earth. For those at the bottom of society, for those at the top. Jesus invites you to a new life, a new culture, a new heart posture. He invites you to follow him with the heart posture worthy of his kingdom. God's kingdom is upside down from what our expectations are. God blesses those heart postures that society belittles. We can glorify God and build our relationships with him while bringing the kingdom of God to earth by following him and his values. Can you imagine if uh, all our values aligned with those of Jesus's? Can you imagine the beautiful peace and love that it would bring to our communities? It would be like heaven on earth. As we follow the Lord's will, we bring his will to earth as it is in heaven. Let's follow Jesus and humble ourselves and let God change our hearts to that of the kingdom of heaven. Now before we pray, I'd like to invite Toby and the band back up. Um, And I'd like to pray the Lord's prayer together. So if you'd pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.